We are in week six today, and if it's your first time with us in the room, if it's your first time with us online, a really big welcome. I pray that today that, that you get something out of this service in addition to some great dad jokes, okay? Uh, that you get something that's going to help you, but it is week six of a series that, uh, that we're going to do here, and before I get to that, of course, what we always do is we ask someone to share their story. And I was getting a little too carried away. The dad jokes took me off. And so today, it's testimony time, and I'm going to invite Dan Bowman to come on over here right now. And he's going to tell us a little bit about his transformed life. And he's a great dad joke man too. Thanks, Pastor John. I'll leave the dad jokes to you, I think. <laughs> Morning, everyone. Um, so I was born and raised in a loving family in Toowoomba. Um, I grew up with a really good circle of friends. Um, played a lot of sport. Life was pretty sweet. Um, things turned pretty drastically for me when uh, I moved out of home, uh, made a lot of bad choices, uh, made some poor choices with who I hung around, um, got involved in drugs, drug dealing, heavy drinking, fighting, um, all of this um, almost landed me in prison just before my daughter Zoe was born. Um, at the time I had no purpose at all, wasn't achieving anything, couldn't keep a job for more than five minutes, um, was trying to find my identity, make a name for myself. And all it did was ruin the few good relationships that I had left. Uh, I moved to the coast a while after my parents did, where I continued my destructive lifestyle of heavy drinking and fighting. Um, these choices, amongst other things, cost me my first marriage. Uh, my ex-wife moved back to Toowoomba with our two kids, Zoe and Joseph, who were only really young at the time. And uh, that completely broke me, losing my two kids. Um, before my marriage breakdown, I'd been coming to this church for a while. Um, in that time, I was still doing life my way, which clearly wasn't working out for me well at all. A few months after I started um, dating my now gorgeous wife, Trish, she found out I used to go to church, and so she wanted to come and check it out and dragged me along with her, which I'm glad that she did, because this is when things slowly began to change. I was still battling with heavy drinking and living life my way, but at the same time, I was so determined to know God better and started to hand things over to him. I remember crying out to him one night to take my drinking addiction from me and from one powerful encounter with him in one night I was set free from it and I haven't touched or had the desire to touch a drink in about nine years. Um, through, through years of going to God for help, listening to him, going on a journey of trusting him and my leaders, my life today looks nothing like it used to. I now have a wonderful marriage, I have five beautiful kids, I have purpose every day for the first time. I feel like I'm actually making a difference and living the life that God wanted me to live. I've never been more excited for my future and more at peace with my life right now. I'm so blessed to be um, working here at church in a few different areas. I lead a connect group and have the opportunity to share what God has done for me with many others. Some days it feels like a dream and it's all because I let God in and just trusted him. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. I love that. Surrendering to God is a game-changing moment for every person, dad or otherwise. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online with us, and you've never surrendered your life to God. You're created for a relationship with God, and life only begins to work the way it was supposed to be when you surrender your life to Him. And at the end of this service, there's going to be an opportunity, a moment to pray a prayer 
asking God to come and be the Lord, the leader of your life, asking him to come and forgive you of your past, the things that you carry, the shame that you have. And if you'll pray that prayer today, it will be the beginning of the rest of your life and you'll experience a peace like you can experience no other way except by getting right with God. So thank you, Dan, for sharing so powerfully with us. All right, so we are week six in this series, What on Earth Am I Here For? And over the last six weeks, and you can catch it up if you've missed some, they're all on a podcast, they're all on YouTube, Um, but I want to just do a very quick recap around uh, the whole issue of purpose and calling, and we've covered a range of different things. The first thing we covered is that, that every one of us have a calling. Every single person have been uh, created by God, thought about God before the earth began and created for a purpose and a calling. You're not an accident. You're not here just to take up space. You're not here just to try and experience pleasure and then to be done. You're here with a calling that is unique and specific to you. And that that calling is kind of its layers. It builds upon itself. And if you get the the wrong way around or if you don't get some of these building blocks of your calling, you'll go around in circles over and over. The very first part of our calling is to be loved by God. We are created for relationship with God. When we're loved by Him, we we see striving. We see trying to, to find approval in the things that we do, and we rest in God's love for us. That's the first calling for every one of us, to be loved by God. Uh, the second call for all, all of us is to be part of His family to be part of the family of God. We're adopted into his family. And I love this expression. Uh, Don't worry too much about finding your purpose. Find your people. And when you find your people, you'll find your purpose because your calling is connected to the relationships that God has for you and I. So that's the second part. You're called uh, to belong, to be part of the family. The the next one is you're called to become. You're called to become like Jesus. This is the journey of a lifetime. It will never stop. You and I are being developed and transformed by the Holy Spirit on the inside to become more patient, more kind, more loving, more outward focused, uh, more joy-filled, uh, to become more sacrificial, more and more like Jesus. It is the journey of a lifetime. You can't do that alone. God places us with other people to help us in that journey. Last week, we talked about this, that we're called to be a blessing. We're called to be a blessing, to, to serve, to minister. This is the idea. And I don't know if you've grown up with the idea of the clergy. The clergy idea is that there is those who are secular and those who are sanctified in their calling. Uh, some people are chosen to be uh, the ministers of God and others aren't. That is such not a biblical idea. That is not found in the Bible. The Bible says that everyone who's a follower of Jesus is called to be a minister. Every one of us, uh, because the word minister literally means to serve. Now, not everyone's called to be a pastor. That's a a unique part of some people's calling, but all of us are called to be a minister, to help, to serve. And it's the ministry that God gives to every one of us uh, and spiritual gifts and abilities that uniquely help us to strengthen the body that God places us in, His church. That's what our ministry is, where we have gifts and abilities to strengthen one another. Later this month, uh, on the third Sunday of this month, we have what we call our growth track. And you can sign up for that on the website, and that will, that will help you to identify the spiritual gifts you have and how you can use those gifts to minister to the church family that God has placed you in, and that's a really important thing. And so we've talked about uh, the, the fourth one, and we come to the fifth one, and this is not about your ministry, this is about your mission. 
This is about your mission. Now, it's Father's Day today, and my dad uh, was 54 years old when I was born. He is a late bloomer. Uh, he was a farmer who grew up in regional Victoria, and uh, somewhere in his 30s or so, uh, he, he felt this call by God to be a, literally a missionary. And he didn't want to be a preacher or a pastor, uh, but he wanted to use his abilities to help and serve others to reach people. So he ended up in the Northern Territory in remote Aboriginal communities in areas like Yurikala, uh, Elko Island, etc., as a farming missionary, basically teaching people how to, how to farm and crops. And, and he met my mum up there. She was a nurse and a midwife in, in the Northern Territory. And so I grew up with this idea of missionaries that a missionary was someone who left home to go and serve somewhere. And I sort of kind of prayed, God, send me anywhere, but please don't send me to Africa or anywhere overseas. I don't know if anyone's ever prayed a player like that, uh, because my idea of a missionary was someone who's sent and actually relocates somewhere. But I want to tell you this morning that that's not actually the core idea of a missionary, because God has called all of us to be missionaries. And I want to talk a little bit around that today. He's just let me give you a concept of what God's uh, historical plan is right now, what God's been doing through history and what he's, what he's doing right now. He's gathering a family of people who will respond to his love and they'll love him back by choice. He hasn't created puppets or robots. He's given us free will. But God right now is in the business of gathering from all around the world, and he has been doing it since his people Israel. He's gathering a family of people who will love him and worship him and want to be with him. Uh, the, the, the point of that is that one day uh, we would actually live with him for eternity. He's gathering this family. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. This is God's unchanging plan, to adopt us into his family. And once God has gathered his whole family, then we're going to enter into phase two. And phase two is when this earth finishes and there's a new earth and a new heaven. Phase two is eternity. Phase two is the afterlife. And can I just tell us today that what we're in right now really is preschool. This is the warm-up lap. Eternity is the most important thing. What we're doing right now is like pre-season training. The life that you live on earth, the life that I live on earth, it's pre-season training for the real season, which is eternity, that will live with God in a new heaven and a new earth. This life will be gone just like that. This life will be like a puff that's just a puff of smoke that just just it's just gone. And so God wants us always, and this is why Ecclesiastes says you're better to live at funerals than at parties because it will keep your mind and understanding of the gravity of eternity. And we're being prepared for eternity. This life is preparing us for eternity. We're like doing the first lap of a, of a car race that's the warm-up before we actually begin to do the race and it will be eternity. And God's calling for you and I is to be prepared for that. And he is, he is right now still gathering the family for eternity. He's still gathering people to come into his family to give him great pleasure for eternity. If you're not part of God's family, if you've never prayed a prayer asking him to come into your life, then today is the day that you could become part of God's family and be confident you'll spend eternity with him forever. 
And so this is the final part of your and my calling. It's to partner with God in the, in the proclaiming of the good news. It's the role that's so important, the fifth part of our calling that's so important, that we would share the good news, the good news that you can be forgiven, the good news that everyone can have a relationship with God, a personal and powerful relationship that changes everything. A good, the good news that we can be set free from our addictions, thank you, Dan, so powerful. The good news that we can be healed of our hurts, that we can discover a life full of meaning and purpose, and the good news that we can live together forever for eternity with God. Romans chapter 10 says this, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Without being sent. I want to tell you the fifth call that every one of us has is to be sent by God, to be proclaimers of the good news. Now, before we switch off today, and go, oh, that's the evangelists, and I'm not an evangelist. Can I just, confession time, I am not an evangelist. I'm not the, oh, I'm going to hand out tracts. I'm not the, I, I tell everybody I meet about God. I'm not that kind of person. But that, that doesn't mean, and I'm, so I'm not an evangelist by gifting. And we've got some awesome evangelists in our church by gifting. Pastor Teresa is a prophetic evangelist. There's lots of people, that's your primary gift, and it's awesome, and you need to use that gift. But for the rest of us who are not, the 90%, they say about 10% of us are called to be evangelists. But the 90% of us who are not, we're, we're not off the hook. We're actually called to be sent. Jesus said this, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. John 15 verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. In about 10 years' time, most of what we're doing right now, we won't even remember. In about, 10, in about 30 years' time, you, you might struggle to remember a few things that you did in the year 2020. A hundred years from now, it's more than likely that the things that we've done uh, and achieved and, 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 and reconciled will probably not be really remembered, except... Fruit that remains is lives that have been transformed by Christ and end up in eternity because you and I. And so the call from God is to lift our eyes up from the day to day, the, the hustle and bustle of life and think about eternity and what our part and place is in eternity. Acts chapter 20, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. Come on, missionaries. Come on, why don't you say after me, I'm a missionary. Oh, that was so unenthusiastic. Well, let's try the first one. I am a minister. One more time. I am a minister online. And I am a missionary. I'm sent by God. All right. So the most important thing that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. All right, so let's talk a little bit around about this because I think one of the most powerful things we could have is a church who understands that although this may be slightly out of our comfort zone, this might be slightly, um, slightly against our, our grain, being sent 
is an important part of who we are in our calling of Christ. In fact, some of the, I want to tell you, for some of you, the most fulfilling thing you'll ever do is be used by God to bring someone one or two or three steps closer to God. It'll be one of the most fulfilling things that you can do. So how do we do that? How do we help people meet God? How do we, how do we help people know Christ? When I was a, a young boy, I stayed at a, fr- a friend's place. And that uh, friend, we were partying on a Friday night. We weren't partying. I was probably 12. So we were just having fun. We were, we were just having fun, probably playing cops and robbers. I don't know. Anyway, but we were up too late. And his parents had gone out and we were supposed to be in bed early. And, and so just as we heard the, the parents arrive home, we, we're like, oh, quick, they're driving into the driveway. We flicked the switch in the, in the room off so it looked like we were asleep as if they wouldn't have seen the light go off. But anyway, when you're 12, you think they don't know. And, and, we, I, ran, and I ran into the room with the light off, took a big dive and jumped onto the bed. I did what I didn't realize was that uh, this end of this bed, it was unlike my bed, it had posts sticking up out of it. And I, I've got a permanent reminder. I, I hit my chin on the edge of this post that I couldn't see and, and just all the skin peeled back and blood. And I'm just sort of lying in bed, my heart's pounding, thinking we can't, wait, we can't let them know we're awake, but I've got this warm stuff in my hand. Eventually we woke up and there's blood everywhere and I realized, okay, this is not good. So I've got a permanent reminder that when you're in the dark, you don't see well. All right, when you're in the dark, you don't see well. And I want to talk to us this morning about this reality of how you and I are going to be used as missionaries, as ones into our... Now here's, here's the first thing I want you to know, you don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. You don't have to leave home to be a missionary. Some of you, your mission field is literally your family. Some of you, your mission field is your school. Some of you, it's your workmates. It's your neighbors. It's, it's the people you play sport with. It's the people at the gym. It's the people at playgroup. It's the people that you interact with. It's the friends you've had for a long time. So you don't have to go overseas on a mission trip. You can do that, and that's awesome. But you don't have to to be sent by God. All of us are sent into a unique part of the globe where you have credibility that I don't have. Where you have, have a, a voice to speak that, that another Christian might not have and God's positioned you there. So I wanna, if we're going to understand how we're going to be effective in this, the first thing we've got to understand is that every, if someone who doesn't know God is going to connect with God, then they're going to have to get out of the darkness. Because you don't see well when you're in the dark. No one sees well. No one's, no one's right now trying to, oh, I don't want to see that Jesus is real. No one's making a conscious choice about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle Paul writes, he says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He's blinded their minds. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Not trying not to, unable to, because they're blindfolded. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So the first thing we've got to realize as believers who are sent, that we're not, never going to convince anybody to become a Christian. You're not going to persuade them with your logic. 
You're not going to, now logic may be part of a person's journey, but the the greatest way we can start to shift things in people's heart and connect into God is through prayer. And it's to bind that devil who blinds them. We've got to get the blindfold off, and the only way we get the blindfold off is through prayer. We pray, and we, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. We're not in a, a war. We're not in a, we're not in a war of taking shots at people, hoping that we can win an argument, because you can sometimes win an argument, but lose the battle. You can lose friends, and we're not about losing friends. We're about winning friends and connecting them to God, even if it means we don't engage in certain arguments. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. I want to encourage us that prayer on a daily basis for people that God's placed in our world, just one, two, three people that God's placed in our world, that he would remove the blindness. We have authority to do that. This week we began to pray, and I want us as a church over the month of September to pray for prodigals. Prodigals are the children who, are dis- who once walked with God, who have drifted away from God. And on Thursday morning on our Instagram account, we prayed together. We had one of our largest prayer meetings this year as people got online and said, I'm praying for my kids who are away from God. And I'd love us to do that every Thursday throughout the month of September that we pray for prodigals because the way that they come back is not because we leave st- uh, sneaky little tracks beside the toilet. Come on, somebody, that, that, that may every now and then happen. But the, the way that people turn back to God is we take authority in, pr- in prayer and we bind the devil who's blinding them in the name of Jesus. So it's in prayer. So let's pray together over this month, 6.30 every Thursday morning, focusing on that. The second thing we do is helping people come out of the blindness. So one thing is taking the blindfold off. That can only be done in prayer. But the second thing is you can still have the blindfold off but be in the dark room and not see Jesus. Our aim is that people would see Jesus, the loving Jesus Christ, the Son of God who's laid his life down for them. That's our ultimate aim as the ones who are sent, that people would see. So therefore, if we're going to pray the blindfold off, then we've got to turn the light on. We've got to turn the light on. We have to shine his love into people's lives. What, is, what does that look like? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, For God said, Let there be light in the darkness. This is the God who said that, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I'm the light of the world. When you become a Christian, Jesus lives inside of your heart and my heart. And so what he actually instructs us, he says, it's not just I'm the light of the world, you are the light of the world. You've got the life, the light and light of Jesus Christ inside of you. And so this is his instruction. Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It's, it's obvious. Do not, do they not, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Christ on the inside. Don't cover him up. Don't, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to ruffle any feathers. You are the light of the world. Let them see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's explore this a moment. If, If my fifth calling is to be sent by God, that means, one, I'm praying for people that the blindness will be taken off their eyes, and it's that's a persistent prayer. That might take 25 years, but I'm just locking in on praying that blindness off people. But the second thing I'm doing is I'm asking God, help me to shine a light. 
help me. The, the, light, the, the blindfold's off, but I want to shine the light on Jesus. I want to turn the light on. How do you do that? Great question. The first thing is, it's, this is a very Greek word. It's your vibe. It's not really a Greek word. It's just, the, it's your vibe. It's the vibe of your life. When you're hanging around with people at school, at work, in your neighborhood, at sport, in your workplace, the vibe of a believer is that I've got Jesus on the inside and therefore I, love, I treat people lovingly. I'm honest in my, in my engagement with people. I have a peace about me, a joy about me. I'm, I'm a peacemaker. I'm long-suffering. And, and when people look at you and they look at me, the, the aim is, and I know we're not perfect, but our aim is I'm carrying the presence and love of God. And they go, there's just something about that person. There's something about that person. What is it? That's, that's the vibe. That's the vibe of carrying God's presence, the light of God. We're shining a light on Jesus. Now, now we don't just stop there. I love what St. Francis of Assisi is credited as saying, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. So what's that mean? Well, our actions are really powerful. Acts of kindness. I want to shout out our Melbourne crew who in the last couple of weeks have given away 100 hampers into families in the community who are doing it tough in lockdown right now. Had a big cook-up of giving out lots of different stuff. About 15 of our Melbourne church got involved dropping things off the neighbors, literally shining God's light and love into people, like turning the light on in the darkness. Combined prayer and acts of kindness is what reveals Jesus. Uh, for, for those, for us as a church, Shine Community Care has been, uh, for 17 years, has been our community arm. And uh, if you don't know, this year we're, it's having a sabbatical. We're just, we're like having a, a break for a reset. That doesn't mean individuals can't do things, but we're, we're having a reset. And next year we're going to be releasing a, a fresh vision and some fresh thoughts for Shine. But what we are going to do in the next five months is uh, once a month we're going to invite someone from a community group who's doing something significant. Uh, to church, and we're going to give them $5,000 from our church. Uh, so we're going to be giving away about $30,000 to different organizations on the coast who are already doing great stuff because we just want to shine. We want to let our good work shine and people go, wow, the church care about individuals. And then next year we'll kick off. We'll do our shine. We'll do our hampers again. So I would imagine over the next five months that we're going to be contributing into the local community about fifty to $60,000 just from our church and our members over this next period of time, which is pretty awesome, don't you think? The shining God's light. Uh, acts, acts of kindness. Yeah, go on, give the Lord some praise. Well done, Melbourne. Well done, crew. Uh, acts of kindness can be all sorts of things. They can be baking for someone. They can be shouting someone a meal or coffee, mowing, mowing a neighbor's lawn, Helping someone move, delivering flowers or being an encouragement to someone who's down, giving someone cash or something that they'll need, being persistent with encouragement, babysitting, childminding, just finding a need that people have got who are far from God and just meeting that need. And with prayer, taking that blindness off, acts of kindness open people's hearts up to God. It's an important thing for us. Our church sponsors almost 200 children, compassion children around the world right now. That's thousands of dollars as well going out of this community overseas. That's shining the light of God. It's not, just, it's not that that will save a person, but it's that that turns the light on 
that reveals. It's, it's, the, it's the gospel that people respond to. The good news of Jesus, the salvation comes from that, but turning the light on allows people to see or be open. Where someone's got a hard heart, you'll be amazed at what an act of kindness can do to open up their heart. The third way that we do this, actually, uh, the, uh, turn the light on is through signs and wonders. Jesus did this wherever He went. He healed people. Miracles happened. And as, as miracles happened, people were like, whoa, they're like, they wondered what's going on. The sign pointed to Jesus. We're a church who believes in acts of kindness and signs of wonders. Acts of kindness and signs and wonders. Not one or the other, but both. I believe that they can both. So often a church is only one. We're only about soup kitchens, but we're not about miracles. I believe the church can be both. You know, the hospitals that have been built all around the world, the first hospital in every nation has been built by the church. Because the church takes seriously this, meet the needs of people practically, but then the greatest miracles happening all around the world in terms of healings are through the church. It's not one or the other, I believe both. We're called for both to exist. And in this room, many of us will be drawn to one or the other or both, and that's okay. Jesus said, I've already told you and you don't believe who I am, but the proof is in the miracles I do in the name of my Father. That's the works of God, the works of God. So for you and I as sent ones, I've run out of time to get to my third and fourth point. But as sent ones, we're called to pray and we're called to shine the light. I want us to close our eyes right now. We're gonna pray together. Father, I thank you in this room, online, that even as I'm talking, you're putting the names and faces of people in our heart. I ask that as we commit to pray as a church family, Lord, as we gather and pray in prodigals in the month of September, Lord, as we pray for our friends, neighbours, workmates, family members. That you would give us your burden, your passion. God, I ask that you'd help us to shine that light, to turn the light on. Those who are away from you. Help us to see the needs. Help us to know what to say. Help us to know what to do. Help us to be carriers of your presence and your kindness and your power. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I want to land this for us right now, that it's not just a message we're hearing. I want you to think, what could I do this week? This eyes closed. If you're thinking of someone in your world who's away from God, Are you thinking of someone? God's put them on your heart. I'm thinking of someone. I've been praying for them for ages. Now just ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do? I'm going to reach out and have coffee this week. What are you going to do? Is it an act of kindness? A gift? Encouragement, 
Tell them you're praying for them. That you're the light. You are the light of their world. You are the light. Let your light shine so that all who see it might glorify God. As we come to a close, I'm going to hand those of you online back over to Pastor Teresa. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Have a fantastic day.